Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Rivercats 9 Lives podcast. Our guest this week is longtime major leaguer and former Rivercat, left-hander Jerry Blevins. Welcome to our Nine Lives podcast. Jerry Blevins is our guest. Uh, Jerry, it's great to see you. I know you just announced your retirement uh, recently. Uh, first of all, can you, uh, before we get into your your first call up, which was experience, I'll never forget, and I share it with a lot of people, uh, retirement, that must have been, I, and I saw your, uh, your note that you sent on Twitter about the retirement, thanking the fans and thanking your teammates and your coaches and, and uh, your family, everybody. Uh, that must have been really emotional just experiencing that, uh, announcing that retirement, right? Yeah, man. It's still emotional. I still, I still love baseball. I, I miss it. I get asked uh, a lot, like, do you miss it? Of course I miss it. I miss, I miss so many things about it. I'm happy with my decision. I'm happy with where my life is now, but that's, you know, it's a dream. It's, it's being able to play at the highest level for so long. Uh, it's wonderful. The, the camaraderie, the, the communities that you're involved in, um, the brotherhood, just the chase for a silly trophy at the end of the year. Like it, there's nothing like it. I'll never experience it. You know, I was watching some of my former teammates, uh, good friends of mine win the world series with the Braves, right? Elation, pure elation. So happy for him. But deep down, I'm like a little bit of my competitiveness. I'm like, man, I really want that a little bit of jealousy. So, you know, I, I'm so happy and I made obviously made the right choice. I, I'm enjoying retirement, but I'll forever miss the competitiveness that that is baseball. One thing I'll never forget, it was right after your 24th birthday up in the Solon Club in uh, at what is now Sutter Ralph Park, what was Rayleigh Field. And you got called up. Uh, Loomer Loney, Loomer or the captain, nicknamed you Baby Koufax. You struck out 34 out of 49 hitters, but getting called up at that time in front of more people than I don't think anybody's ever been called up in front of that many people. Uh, you were called up in front of the whole Rivercats front office in the Solon Club. Take us through that experience, what, what that was like for you. Uh, that, that was uh, just the, the, the peak of uh, an insane season. I had just gotten traded over from the Cubs to the A's, like midseason to double A. I got called up during the last regular season, um, during the last regular season uh, series before the playoffs started in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I had a good team and they were getting in the playoffs. So I jumped right in and right away I'm, we're playing and chasing this dream. It was a fun group. You talked about Lou Merloni. Lou Merloni was a well-established veteran and he showed me every day that like he came to play and, and he, his want to win on his way out was inspiring and like it brought this life to the team and it's one of my favorite teams I've ever been a part of and I was only a part of it for like four weeks one month but it was pure fun and it reminded me like a baseball at its purest form um so you're you're talking about it's like middle of September we had just won the PCL we're all celebrating in the Solon Club we're up there with with basically everybody in the River Cats front office and and staff our team all of our coaches and and media members and some of the guys had already been called up like Derek Barton that year got called up. Braden was already up, mm-hmm. you know, because when the rosters expanded in September, they made their choices and we went from there. Um, and so I had no thoughts. And so we're just sitting there, Tony D our, our managers giving this, you know, great victory speech and, you know, thanking everybody in, in Sacramento and the river cats organization. And then he's like, we have one more piece of news and, 
Jerry Blevins is going to the big leagues and like, I still can't believe it. It's such a moment um, for me because it not only was it like out of nowhere by surprise, but I've always kind of shown my emotions. I've been, I'm not afraid to, to cry and, and oh. at a movie or, uh, and so it was a very emotional for me. And I have people to this day that were like randomly in that experience. They're like, Hey, I, I remember when you got called up, it's a story I tell often because of the, the, the way you reacted. And, and it's, it's a dream come true. You know, your moment of chasing this dream comes to fruition and you get to share it and people get to see it. That's one of those moments in a season uh, as an organization that you get to kind of rally around. And that's why we're all in baseball. It's the joy of the game. And, and those are the moments. So, you know, I'm happy it wasn't behind closed doors. I'm happy I got to, to show some other people what it's like to, to have that happen to you. So it's, it's a moment that I cherish one of my favorite of my entire career. And uh, it's, it, it always brings a smile to my face. I know the, all the, everybody that was there, I know we'll never forget it as well. It was a remarkable, remarkable moment. And then you get to the big leagues and then you want to stay in the big leagues and you go to the, through this experience in 2009, where you're up and down and up and down. And I don't think the general fan, I think sometimes doesn't realize like, they understand the climb, but going back and forth, I know you've, that was an experience that was tough at the time and it brought you to a moment with, with Bob Melvin, right? Yeah. So this was the 2011 season. 11. Um, yeah. So it was my last year with an option. Uh, so like there's, there's a few things like when you're, when you have options, a lot of the times, especially earlier in your career, it's a good thing because you struggle you're not quite ready to be a big leaguer. And then you get sent down and work on some things. You know, they tell you on your way out, like, Hey, we need you to throw more strikes or put away with two strikes. You got There's certain things that you can work on. Well, in 2011, I was up and down seven times. I think there was one time yeah. where I got called up and then a couple hours later, they said, just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so it was tough. And that was back when people that didn't happen, like the shuttles they do nowadays, it just didn't happen. And, and for me, it was really difficult. It started to get harder because I was pitching so well in the big leagues and I was doing everything. And when I would be sent down, there was no more, you know, you got to work on this. You got to work on that. It was just like, thanks. See you later. You know what I mean? And that's a tough pill to swallow because you know, you belong there. You've worked your whole life to get to that point. And they're like, well, thanks, but, you know, we got other guys that we like more. So go be in the, be in AAA. And that's a tough pill. Yeah. And so there was one day, and this was one of the, one of the many moments where Bob Melvin as my manager, he's my favorite of all time, because I, I, I don't, I understand the chain of command. I understand. And I never want to ruffle too many feathers, but I, I sat down with him. They, I just pitched, uh, it, I was, it, we were in Detroit and we had an off day and then in Detroit, I live an hour and a half South of Detroit, my whole family. So they're all excited coming to the game. So we had, we, I had pitched. I knew there was another guy They we had brought up another guy. We hadn't made a move yet because we had an off day. So I flew all the way to Detroit from Oakland. We had an off day, hung out with my family, get into the, get into the clubhouse the next day. And then they bring me into the office and option me down. Oh. My whole family's in town, you know, and so it's a, it's a tough thing. I'm like, man, why didn't you just, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, Bob, I was like, I got to ask you a few questions. And he holds up his finger, he goes and he closes the door to the manager's office and he sits down and he says, let me have it. And I just vented. 
I said, you know, I've chased this my whole life. There's no way that I deserve to get sent down. All I've done is pitch well for you. Uh, I haven't had any problems. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. This is BS. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm mad. My family's here. Now I have to go tell them and embarrass myself and say all these tickets, all this, uh, you know, all the kids that came up to watch me from my hometown. Yeah. I have to go back. I have to fly back to Sacramento and have those guys go, where's Jerry? And have my family answer this for right. no reason. Yeah. And he and this is one of the most things he goes, you're absolutely right, Blev. He goes, I understand everything you're saying. And uh, he goes, look, this is, this is part of the business side of things. He goes, you have option left. Some other guys don't. We're out of it. We're trying to see what some guys have for our future. He goes, this is where you look at it and you take a step back and you go, this isn't always about what's best for the player. This is about what's best for the organization. And he had Billy Bean sit in with us and Billy says, look, this is, this is part of the ugly side of baseball. We're not all about trying to win every game right now because we're out of it. What we're doing is trying to assess what we have as an organization. And he goes, unfortunately for you, you have an option left. Yeah. He goes, if, if you didn't, you would be in the big leagues because you deserve it. He goes, but you have an option left and you can continue to be great when we call you up and go down and pitch well and be a good teammate or you can let this affect you you can let it make you bitter you can go down and be a bad teammate and be angry and not have pitched to the same success and you don't you won't get another call up he goes so as sad and as as frustrating as this can be this is the reality of things and if you can handle it you can and you'll be better for it and if not we'll know what we have in you and I said, you know, thank you very much for treating me like a human being, for telling me the truth as an employee, what we're, what you're expecting of me, and I'm better for it, man. And I wanted to make sure you talked about Lou Merloni in that 07 season. This guy had a great career. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure, and, and playing in Sacramento for so long, Sacramento is an amazing place. Like, I don't want to get too far away from this, but I enjoyed all my moments in Sacramento for a million reasons, which I, I'm sure you'll ask me about later. But one of them is we were really good. We had a great team chemistry. We had really good players and it was fun to be around all the time, but there was always, or many times there was a guy that deserved to be in the big leagues or thought he deserved to be in the big leagues. And he was bitter every day at the field and, and just not a fun presence to be around. Anytime everybody's having fun, you can just feel this drag of, of negativity pulling. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't that. So even on those days where I would get option down, I would make sure I took, you get three days to, to report. Uh, sometimes I needed all three days to get my brain in the right position to be a good teammate and a good person and make my career better. It wasn't always, you know, the physicality of, you know, being on I-80 and being able to go quickly to Sacramento. Sometimes right. I needed to reset my, my mind to make sure I'm still being positive. And so those are the moments that build character to make the adversities that you face in your career, just another bump in the road, because things happen and you can deal with them. You can control the things that you can control, like your attitude, your work ethic, uh, the things that you go about, you're doing your day to day, but I can't do anything about options. It's just how it is. And so right. you learn to swallow that tough pill every once in a while. Now, Bob Melvin, uh, and well articulated, I mean, Bob Melvin, you, uh, you had mentioned in that moment what he taught you, but he taught you so much more than that. He taught you about just 
the stuff on the field, off the field, but his communication skills, his ability to, to deal with people. And he just, of course, signed that contract with, with the Padres. Um, what can you tell us about, about Bob Melvin, your experience with him? Yeah, Bob was fantastic, and I'm still friends with him to this day. Uh, I admire him. He was the first like coach manager that I've ever had where it was like, this guy really cares about me, about my career, but more importantly, he cares about me as a person, like for real cares. Like uh, I would mention something to him offhand, and he would come up to me like a month later and be like, hey, how's your aunt? You remember you said that she was sick. And I, and it just would blow my mind. And this guy really cared about you and how you're doing. Um, and he was really good at putting us in positions to where we were going to be successful. We weren't always successful because baseball is hard. Yes, it is. But he, it's very difficult, but he always put you in a position to be successful. And when he did it, when he asked you to do something outside of that norm, he made sure that you understood that that's stretching your abilities or stretching you. He's, he'd come up to him and be like, Bleb, I, I know you can say no. He goes, but we would really need an extra inning here. If you could pull, you know, a couple more outs out of this, it, it really mean a lot to us. It was, that's amazing. That's amazing because now I want to do it. Whereas before there's a lot of coaches that are like, get back out there. And it's like, what the hell, man? I just did my job. Yeah. You want me to go back out there and, and, you know, possibly hurt myself. But that's Bob's greatest, one of his greatest assets is his ability to inspire his team, his players to want to do everything that they can. And he, he makes sure that they get a chance to do that. So I wish him nothing but luck in San Diego. I am heartbroken for my, my A's fans and, and the people there, because I know how much he meant to us yeah. and it's hard for them to have continuity, but you know, it is what it is. It's a business. Like I said, and uh, he's in a good spot. He's got a good friend of mine over there and Craig Stammen in the bullpen, my college teammate, uh, who will be great for him. But he'll do well there. That's a fun team. That's awesome. Now, your experience in Sacramento, uh, you mentioned that a little bit earlier. You know, it's, it's funny. Guys get to Sacramento and it's a great place to play. But, of course, you are um, so close to the major leagues. So not everybody's happy to be there. But what was your experience like? Your time in Sacramento when you were – coming up and 23 years old, uh, approaching 24, a little different from, uh, you know, people's time in Sacramento when they're a little older, but what was your experience like there? Man, just an overall, I just enjoy town to play baseball in. Like this is Rayleigh field at the time, um, was such a home field advantage because we would pack that place you know, there's often, you know, full capacity, 10,000 people in standing room only. It was fun. And teams would come in and, and they would talk about what it's like to play at that ballpark because AAA baseball, just baseball in general, is not always, especially minor leagues, consuming in, in that home field advantage. You just play right. where you play. There's right. some crappy places to play in that, in that league with, with tough conditions and tough, a tough field. But Rayleigh Field was awesome, and the fans of Sacramento were true. I mean, there's still – I get, you know, Facebook messages or somebody that says I, I was in Sacramento during this time. It was just fun, and the, the fans in, in Sacramento were real baseball fans that were there for the love of baseball. 
and you felt that and there was this community and we were really good like i said we won yeah. how many championships during that kind of that era incredible. like what a run yeah three and they were there was like six yeah. times we were in the play in the championship. eight out of anyway, ten division titles yeah yeah just unbelievable yeah. and so they appreciated it and you could tell it was exciting to be around the ballpark all the time it was really fun Anytime, you know, you would feel bitter about coming back down, you would get to the ball far, ballpark in, in, in Sacramento, and you'd be reminded that they appreciate what you're doing there. And so it would be another added incentive to, to be, be good, to, to, to win, because the fans appreciated it. And so, you know, Art Savage was the owner at the beginning when I was there. Like, he was like the first interaction with a team owner that – was really fun. He he had us over to his house. I remember it like yeah. vividly. Yeah. He had this really cool, I want to say it was Ronald Reagan's house yeah. when he was going Ronald Reagan's old, old man. Yep. yep. I remember it. That this was like what yeah. eight probably. Yeah. Um so a long time ago, you know, rest in peace, Art, you know, you yes. were a great, great you know, advocate for the game. But yeah. it was just such a good place. They wanted you to be successful. They did everything they could to help you um and it was just a fun baseball town man that's great it's that's really <laughs> wonderful to hear now i know you got traded to the nationals and that trade a little bit different from going cubs to a's uh you go ace to nationals you're established uh what do you remember about that that experience <laughs> that was it was it was fun man it was the off season so i had like i got traded in the middle of a double a season the first time and so this time uh, it was the off season and I got traded. I was so sad because we, during the, my 07, 8, 9, 10, even 11, we were bad in Oakland. The big league team was not good. Yeah. And then we, we got really good towards the end of 11 with Melvin. We made my favorite season of all time in 2012 uh, was that run that we made to win the division. 2013, we were actually like picked to not win again, but we were, we just dominated. And we got beat in the first round of the playoffs again by, by the Tigers both years. We got Verlandered. Yeah. I really think we, we were good enough to win a World Series if we get by that. Yeah. Um, and so we were going into 14, really feeling good about where we were going. I felt like I was a big part of that. And to get traded away was, was kind of sad for me. Yeah. It was, it was hard because uh, the A's family from that whole Bay Area was like a very intimate, good group of people. I cherish it to this day. I have two homes. I have two baseball homes, Oakland, because I spent so much time. And that includes Sacramento because that's all in the same. Mm -hmm. And then New York, I had my favorite, like my, my best years as a big leaguer uh, consistently were in New York. And I loved yeah. it. My son, my first son was born there. Yeah. So getting traded was tough because I knew we were building something in Oakland and I, I was sad about that. Yeah. Uh, but I enjoyed Washington. It was wonderful. Like I said, I mentioned Craig Stammen, who's with Melvin in San Diego. Yeah. I played with him two years at Dayton. He was my teammate in, in DC. We got to share a bullpen, you know, that's amazing. Eight years after playing together in college, we're both these really long shots to be in the big leagues anyway. And we were really good that year in 14. We should have we, another possible World Series winner. Uh, Bryce Harper, Jason Wirth, Steven Strasburg, uh, Jordan Zimmerman at his peak, Ian Desmond, Anthony Rendon. Like wow. we had this amazing, amazing group of, of uh, talented team and we just fell apart in the playoffs. But I really liked my, my, my one year there and, and I got traded the next break. Yeah, you go to the Mets and uh, <laughs> the, the, the Mets is where you, you uh, really – 
establish yourself, uh, you know, as far as your great career and, and uh, you know, playing, not everybody can pitch in New York, not everybody can play in New York. And now you, you understand a little bit, you are, uh, you know, very good with the media because you're authentic. And, and that, that is your, your gift. You just, you've always been that way. You wear your emotions on your sleeve, but you're open and honest. And uh, I think, you know, the New York media really enjoyed that, that candor. What, what, what uh, I mean, you can't uh, just, take it down to two minutes talk about new york but that that experience of pitching there for the first time yeah yeah so new york city it's like what a what a privilege like first of all being able to play in the big leagues and be able to play professional baseball and travel around and and play and and is is insane making it to the big leagues is crazy getting to play in new york city like i'm from small town ohio like we went to new york city on our senior trip of high school like this is a thing and all of a sudden I get put into the spotlight here and I get to be a part of the New York Mets. Like, so I'm so privileged and I still love New York city. Like it's this crazy entity organism all itself that it's just a wild place to, to live. Um, but like you said, like I I've never been fake. I may not be anybody's favorite. I may not be, um, the best player, but I'm always going to be the best person that I can, the best ability. And I think New York, first of all, I pitched really well for most of my career there. Um, And so that helps, (laughs) but uh, I, I was accountable. Like you said, I, I, every day I understood that the media is part of what makes baseball great, especially in New York city. And so I would stand at my locker, answer questions, especially, you know, nobody wants to talk to middle relief when they do their job because it just moves it down for the more, bigger higher profile guys to 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 close the game out yeah. and so when i'm standing in front of the media it's usually because i gave up a big home run to to bryce harper or you know to to lose a game i christian yelich hit a big you know walk off double off me or something and i have to stand there and that's not always easy for guys because people don't understand that like well where were you when i when i struck him out two days ago and, and a big moment. You didn't ask me about it then, but for me, I understand it. It's a story to be told. It's not about me. It's bigger than me. It's about the team. Yeah. And I just stood there and, and to be able to just hold yourself accountable um, to answer questions. They just want the truth. If you could just be yourself and, 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 and show some authenticity, New York will, will appreciate that. And, 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 I'll forever be grateful for my time in New York. I still love it to this day. And Mets fans are endearing, man. And so they're, they're lifelong. And, and I get, a I get a lot of positive feedback on basically anything I do for Mets fans, because they understood how much I appreciated being a part of, of that craziness in Queens. The energy, the energy at that ballpark, not, not much like it. Uh, It's, it is an energy. There's just so much going on in that city of, of, 20 million people i'm not even sure but there's often times where my wife and i uh, are sitting in our apartment and we're looking out and i see all these skyscrapers and it's one of these moments where you know people talk about like religious but where you feel insignificant in the grand scheme of things and i look out and i see just in manhattan and just these tall skyscrapers and and i think like what a what a silly place to be like well how how am i here amongst all this and you just appreciate it and and the longer we stayed in the city the more we grew to love it we my wife and i we bounced around from neighborhoods in in manhattan mm-hmm. and then this past season we lived in brooklyn it's just an awesome place to live 
I love walking that city and it's a, it's a 100% walkable city taking the train. Like it's just a, it's such a unique place to be. Um, so much going on the, the best of anything. You want the best food. You want to see the best sports. You want to watch the best musicals. You want to see a concert. The best of the best is at your fingertips at all yeah. times. It's amazing. It's just a fun place to be. Well, one thing I remember about you just in dealing with you uh, from radio guy to, to pitcher was the fact that you, we didn't really talk a lot of baseball. Yeah, we talked some baseball, but we love to talk movies and music. You had so much, so, so many interests. And I love picking your brain about stuff. And we, I, I especially love talking about movies with you because you're a movie buff. You love good movies and, and Whiplash and Shawshank Redemption and some of those great movies. Like uh, that's always been a part of you. And I just want, I just want to let you know that I appreciated the fact that that um, that you would always be open and talk about stuff that wasn't, wasn't just baseball, you know? Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what helped me stay sane in the game because especially in the minor leagues, as you know, the, some of the like road trips and it, it can get monotonous. And, and I always wanted to be kind of more well-rounded and, and not my, all my happiness be only about baseball. And that might've, you know, I might not have been, 100% of what I could have been. Maybe I was 95 because I didn't dedicate 100% of my free time to baseball too. But I wanted to be able to get out of my head because it's such a hard game full of failure that I wanted to maintain, you know, my groundedness and what it means to be a human being. And whether that's, you know, playing cribbage or, or pluck or card games with my teammates, dominoes, talking about movies and, and other sports and other interests and being involved in music, all that kind of stuff. I just love it. And I appreciate it. And I enjoy other people that, that have other passions just besides, you know, maybe even something I'm not interested in. If, if, you know, my, my little nephew is all about, you know, Pokemon cards, uh -huh. I have no idea about any of it, but yeah. I love listening to him talk about it because he's so yeah. passionate about it. So yeah. I, I just appreciate people that have, interests and even more so that aren't always my favorite interests you know your career has come full circle here and here you are now uh doing some games uh, on tv and radio and so for sny and that how has that experience been being now on that side of it uh after that full career is at, at playing 13 different major league seasons as, as a player uh what's what's that experience been like it's, it's fun, man. It's, it's really, it's just, it's a fun, I always love baseball I'll forever love the game of baseball. And I think I always approached my days as a player, understanding that I'm a fan first and I love the game. And so once I was done playing, I think it was almost natural for me to go in on the other side and to be able to use some of my experiences as a player and be able to explain some things to the fan watching at home or listening at home something that I would see that they may not understand, but they would appreciate. And I always admire, like, you know, I was really good at pitching a baseball. There's people that are really good at talking about baseball and that's you on the radio. That is a skill, a lifelong harnessed focus skill that I appreciate. TV is a, a different entity, but also very similar. It's hard to do and it takes reps and experience and I love all of it. Writing about baseball is really hard. Um, 
And so I just, I want to experience as much as I can about baseball and about life in general and be outside of it because I appreciate it. And I want to be able to share some of the things that I see um, that maybe the, the fan at home doesn't, but they would appreciate. All right. Listen, we've uh, run out of time, but I, I we talk, <laughs> we talk for hours. I really appreciate it. I want to say one more thing. So yeah. uh, in my, you know, I drafted an 04, just retired this April thinking about all the my career as a whole sacramento is one of my favorite places i've ever played including the big leagues uh and you johnny are one of the my favorite people i've ever met inside of baseball you are one of the best personalities you are you you have interests outside of baseball too but you are one of the most genuine funny human beings i tell stories all the time about some of the tricks and stuff that you did you know, the way you would interview a new guy and kind of slowly just push him and, and get closer and closer. And you see a guy just standing back in his locker. Those are the things that people don't see every day on the field uh, or listen to you on the radio. They don't understand maybe that, that, that you're also a human being. And so you're a golden gem of a human being. And I, I just wanted to make sure that you understood that. And the people listening that at Sacramento, I hope they appreciate the personality that they get to listen to on a day-to-day basis. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, my forever. You know that. All right. Jerry Blevins is our guest. And uh, thanks so much for being part of the Nine Lives podcast. Thanks, buddy. Yes. What a great name for a podcast. Not bad, right? It's genius. Thank you for listening to the Rivercats Nine Lives podcast hosted by Johnny Dosko. Please like, subscribe, and share with all your baseball-loving friends. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook.